scream. I said scream. No. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Trek Trudge Discovery Episode 9, and the title of that episode is C. Viz Packham? Parabellum? Packham. Yep. Packham? C. Viz Pac-Man. Parabellum. And that Problem. translates to, if you want peace, prepare for war. Mm-hmm. My name is Byron Hussey, I'm joined by James Sheaves. Hi. Let's go. Let's go. So I hear that uh, episode nine is to be directed by J.J. Abrams. Oh, is it? Oh, wait, this is episode eight, isn't it? I think I said this was episode nine. Oh, right. Well, that one is directed by Ryan Johnson. My mistake. Ryan Johnson from Star Trek Wars? I'm sorry. Am I confusing franchises? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is the Trek. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is episode eight, actually. I made a mistake, and um, the other stuff was fake news, apparently, because you were hmm. talking about Star Wars. Um, what do you Klingons think of in this one? What? We're back to Klingon mode. Yeah. Um, no more loopy time bullshit. Yeah. What do you think of the um, news of the new Star Wars trilogy? Directed oh. by Ryan's Johnson. Um, Ryan's Johnson. I, I, I think we really don't know uh, all that much about it. In mm-hmm. fact, we probably don't know enough about it to give a hot take. Okay. Do you uh, think? I, I, I guess that... we know that Disney really likes Ryan Johnson. I'm. What I'm wondering is, does this mean they're going to be taking a break from the Skywalkers for like ten years? To do this strategy, uh, I I strongly doubt that they will take a break for ten years. Maybe not ten, <laughs> but like for whatever. Like, is this going to be the trilogy in between the um the other movies, or are they going to keep doing Skywalker movies? Uh, are they going to adapt the this trilogy? trilogy? Are they going to um, do like like two simultaneous trilogies, all alternating by year? Yeah, that's right. That, that won't be confusing at all. Um, I was really hoping that at the conclusion of this arc of like a movie every year, we would like maybe get a little break. But this would be a break because it would be like a... a I mean, they're going to keep making Star Wars movies every year forever. But <sighs> basically, uh, this would represent a break from the the primary Skywalker storyline potentially in so much as that you would have this other trilogy and then between years on that trilogy still have these side stories with like Boba Fett and like Jabba the Hutt Jabba Jabba the Hutt the movie do you think it's going to be a Jabba the Hutt trilogy nobody knows could be Mm. I think some people are are hoping it's going to be like old Republic stuff yeah right probably not though right (laughs) Kathleen Kennedy looks at that and she goes, "This bullshit! I ain't touching that." 
What nerds wrote this fan fiction? You gotta make money. You gotta make the money, kids. There's a lot of, like, um, expanded universe stuff where it just Mm -hmm. sounds really lame to me. Like, (laughs) like Darth Revan. Like, I I, I guess he's canon, but it just sounds like a fan fiction Mm -hmm. thing. Like, oh, he's the cool (laughs) Sith Darth Revan. He's like you know, really actually, powerful um, and muscular. I was a right. He's really muscular and a cool dude in general. Um, I uh, went to the junk shop yesterday and I actually bought uh, Knights of the Old Republic on um, PC for no reason because huh. we already have it on Xbox and my brother has it on Steam. But I think I might. I guess have I needed to get to the FPOS minimum, uh, yeah. so I threw right. it in there. I got. I think I got it on Steam in some weird bundle a couple of years ago, and I yeah. I never it's, got past. It's one the, of those frequently uh, bundled games. I don't think I ever got past the like um, tutorial. I'm I'm pretty. I was pretty far in it in the on the Xbox, but uh, I've never beaten it. Hmm. So another another one whose name sounds like wasn't there like a. Who's like Han Solo's daughter in the expanded universe? Uh, Jaina. Jaina, yeah, that sounds like a really fan fictiony name to me for some reason. Right, Mary Jaina Sue. Yeah. So let's get off of Star Wars. I guess that was my fault. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so this is the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery, and it's kind of right. a more traditional. Um, let's explore a planet kind of episode yeah it's it's the first uh post pilot alien planet Mm -hmm. uh what did you think of this episode well i appreciate that uh now in sci-fi television we're no longer in the mode of just go to the park and film a park and say it's an alien planet yeah which you know is classic stargate and uh voyager and, and and whatnot now we're in the mode of go to the park and fill the film a park and then uh color correct the leaves to be blue instead of green yeah i think that's pretty cool that's that's fine i'll take it it's interesting that they chose blue you're on a budget i think there's blue is sort of like overwhelmingly the color palette of this show in general they've got blue uniforms Mm -hmm. it's like blue um details on the ship and then they go to a blue planet Mm mm-hmm but maybe the maybe like every season will have a different like um, color mood palette. Like uh, next season will be green, maybe. Maybe. So it in this will, episode, um, oh sorry, sorry, go ahead. We'll, we'll cycle through the uh, the shirt colors: blue, mm-hmm. gold, red. Yeah. They, they all have the same be. shirt colors in this, don't they? Um, this season. Yeah. Next season they'll all be dressed like uh, Mr. Scott. They should. They should do that because these are like their military uniforms or something. Yeah, some, it's, some. it's the same uniforms they had before the war, but whatever. <laughs> so in this episode, they're trying to kind of crack the uh, cloaking technology. In the description on Memory Alpha. Um, it says USS, USS Discovery is tasked with a high-priority mission to planet Pavo and, and learn the science behind the Klingon's cloaking technology. I think that's not accurate, right? Well, it's not grammatically correct. 
but I, I think that they're just trying to find a way to crack the technology, not to learn how it works, right? Um, okay, isn't that the same thing? No, because like they're trying to learn the science behind the Klingon's cloaking technology implies that they're trying to replicate it. And this, I think the whole point of this planet was they're just trying to make the ships visible using some kind of like frequency, uh, which is totally different. You know, I, I I don't get the whole cloaking thing because, you know, like in, in space, you have to shoot rockets out your backside in order to move. So you just look for where the rocket trail is and voila. All you need is like one line of sort of pseudoscience gibberish to explain that away. Like, <laughs> well, inverse tachyon thrusters, obviously. Um, those don't well, the, uh, uh, in, in other franchises, the Mass Effect cloaking device, for instance, I thought was really clever because it wasn't any nonsense about like bending light around the ship. They just seal up all the ports. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's got no like gases venting from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's invisible to, to sensors because, they... you know, do they paint it black with like star dots, like for stars? Um, I think the Normandy is like bright uh, white or something. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds particularly visible, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll but allow. Fortunately, it. in space, you you'd be very far away, so it would be tricky right. to see. Right, and like unless you had a telescope, there isn't a, like a lot of light in space, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So for the many points of light which are the stars but not a great deal of ambience so um they land on pavo and there's a giant beacon that they have to get to and they sort of yada yada that they can't land too close to it so they had to do like a big hike and we learn that saru can run 80 miles per hour which is extremely plausible yeah I guess um, um, ideally you would have wanted to make the character like quadrupedal or something, but uh, you know we've got human actors, so what are you going to do? He's got very long legs. Yeah, so that's it'll that do. Might be enough. Um, so there is actually, I think I mentioned to you, to you in the chat, there's like a fully computer animated Saru in this episode that they show when he's running at high speeds. Uh, I'm not sure how you missed it because he looks, I mean, it's not bad, but it's like he's got a skin tight, like Spider-Man fitting uniform, which lacks the uh, silver detailing. It's also very large, um, Hmm. like an over large um, communicator emblem. I remember him running, but I guess I just uh, didn't look too closely at it. Just like when you're into like sci-fi, like I am, you get kind of like a good eye for these kinds of yeah, effects. But like when like uh, normies, normies like you things. watch it, you're just like, oh, it's like I'm dazzled and I don't, I can't discern the difference between the special effects and the reality. Mm, <laughs> so immersed. Yeah. I'm trying to. Oh, I found it. I found it. Here's a. Uh, I found a. Uh, screen grab. Screen grab. Which. Uh, I don't think I can share with the listeners, but uh, I can certainly send it to you. Can't wait. Let's take a take a peep at that boy. Uh, I lost lost Facebook here. 
On the subject of uh, Doug Jones, I saw today that there is a, uh, a pop vinyl figure of Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Abe Sapien from Hellboy. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's great. You probably wouldn't know him to look at him because uh, the, the, the figurine shape is not really akin to that character's silhouette. Mm-hmm. I actually but, bought uh, a couple of pop vinyls yesterday. I got one for my brother-in-law that he had been looking for, which was a um, incognito Jin Urso, where she's wearing right. the the disguise. Right, so she's even less recognizable than she would be if she was just girl with ponytail. No, they they're pretty good at like distilling the look. And the other one I got was like a shiny silver Death Star droid, which was like a limited oh, edition, so it'll probably be worth right. thousands of dollars. One Who day. could forget that classic character? Yeah. Wow, I'm looking at uh, Digital Mister Saru here. He's got uh, rubbery arms. <laughs> You'll note rubbery that the um, so his, his communicator is a little bit too big, and he doesn't have the uh, silver stripes on his uniform, but. To be fair, this is a screen grab. He was running quickly, so you probably wouldn't have noticed. And I don't think I noticed when I was watching. Seems like a, an oversight. I think it's just like they probably made this. This was probably something they did in, you know, pre-production eight months ago. All, did all, got all the like CG stuff all out of the way. They probably showed them some like. Let's. They let's probably did this it. before let's they did it. the makeup. It's, yeah, it's true, because they, maybe they 3D printed that prosthetic. Who knows? So they probably yeah. have just a, a, a CAD file of it just sitting there. They pro Yeah, they probably just shared the uh, that and, like, some of the, some of the like, um, what do you call it? The art that they make, <laughs> you know, talking right, about. Right, the, um, the old alien the drawings. You know, they'd make drawings, drawings of things before they actually commit to making Concept them. art? Yeah, that's... That's what I was trying to <laughs> concept art. Um, so we get um, a this is our I think I, this is our first official case of space madness in this episode. Uh, surely not. Surely we've had heaps of space madness before. In in discovery. Yeah, I I feel like we've been just crazy. We've we've been rife with space madness. Does um, Lieutenant Stamets count? Yeah. You're right. I think Stamets is probably the first space madness case. I guess he's not the, like the kind of stabby stabby space madness. Yeah, he. I mean, he's clearly going towards some kind of space madness, but I feel like it's a slower burn. This is the first like case of like one episode. Oh, gee, I don't know what came over me. Kind of space madness, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, gee, I'm sorry he, to, he I tried to kill Tilly, you, Captain Tilly. Yeah, which I think is um probably foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely, we've, sort, yeah. we've sort of also had her, you know, reveal her career ambitions to Burnham. Do you in, think they're setting uh, last Tilly up episode. for, like, a spin-off series? Right, the Captain Tilly Chronicles. <laughs> so there was the, this was the backup plan if they couldn't get the Wharf Chronicles up. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's, there's never been a plan to do the Wharf Chronicles, believe me. Believe, ask Michael oh, Dorn. You're, you're really, disillusioning they're, me. They're holding my... My character, captive behind their, 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 uh, uh, intellectual property 
rights rules. Regulation. You know what could help with that is uh, Neutrogena T gel. Some Neutrogena, Neutrogena T gel would do do wonders. Solve that my, problem my right dry, out. Dry, itchy Klingon scalp. Yeah. To, and to to wash it down with some prune juice, which is a warrior's <laughs> drink. <laughs> okay. Um, so we get a little. So Saru experiences some space madness. So we should say, I guess, like they go to this planet. They're trying to find this like everything makes noise, which is a little bit strange. Everything's like everything. Singing. Oh, like vibrant. Yeah, that's great. That's like uh, how in the original pilot for the original series, um, they have vibrating plants that amuse Mr. Spock. That's right. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. <laughs> <laughs> he um, like he touches the plants and then he he like smiles. Mm -hmm. His his classic Mr. Spock smile, the trademark Spock smile that he does at all times. So it's maybe a callback, shout out to that sort of maybe. And then there's like blue light beings that kind of are all about peace and harmony. A little bit like Avatar. Yeah, bit of an Avatar vibe, huh? But without the multi-billion dollar budget. Yeah, or maybe a little bit of Fern Gully mixed in there. <laughs> <laughs> Which basically was also Avatar. We need to uh, prevent the bulldozers from, from bulldozing the place. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they, they didn't speak, did they? No. Unless they I did, dozed through that. They did some kind of um, psychic communication with Saru, which made him no longer afraid. Um, and he got the space madness, and he broke all the communicators. Um, it's never. It wasn't actually that clear that he was not in possession of his own faculties and that he wasn't just being like a tre treasonous murderous uh, of his own accord. Classic Saru. <laughs> He's a hypocrite. Remember mm. how, much, how much shit he piled on Michael Burnham for that little, little infraction against Georgia. She may have committed some slight treason. <laughs> Light treason. Oh, right. <laughs> It's it's okay though. Should we? Uh, um, do you want to do you want to pause and talk about the allegations against um, George Decay? Oh sure. Okay, let's um, do that. So, uh, like, uh, this is probably the first instance of someone who has spoken out against uh, one of the previous recipients of allegations to 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 now receive allegations against themselves. Mm -hmm. um, look, it's certainly a bad look. Yeah. Um, There's a thread on Reddit right now, and Reddit is generally pretty bad about these kinds of uh, topics. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually, a lot of the, uh, the the grosser opinions sort of rise to the top. But there's it's a the thread on Reddit. The crowd. Yeah, starring uh, also accused Jeremy Piven, uh, who who has been quoted as saying, "We are entering dark times." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but right. th there seems to be a difficulty in distinguishing right now in this um, environment of, you know, a lot of um, predatory behavior being exposed of, of this sort of like um, guilty and pro until proven innocent um, being yeah. the wrong position. 
And I guess the, the, this thread I'm talking about was like how ironic that George Takei was sort of a big pro- proponent of this position, but now he's being accused. So now we're forced to sort of apply that same logic to him. Mm. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Look, I just really don't know what to make of it. Like, I, like, I think uh, it's probably a case of, like, uh, one of those cases of uh, Takei thinks one thing happened and uh, the the alleged victim thinks another thing happened and they just, like, both have different memories about whatever actually did happen. Yeah. I think, I think when, I mean, like, I think there... I, I feel like this is not the same in so much as that... George Takei isn't that powerful a guy. And no. yeah. the, the guy in question was not, didn't sound like he was a professional relationship. I don't think even George Takei was really working at the time. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I guess he was in the movies, right? Uh, it was at 86? It was 81. 81. Uh, I mean, it almost doesn't matter. That's probably around the time of Wrath of Khan. He's kind of of a nobody, you know? No offense, George Takei. Like, Twitter didn't exist It's true, at the time, certainly. But so so it's like, I guess you just sort of have to consider, like, what is the power dynamic? Um, What in, like, certainly in Kevin Spacey's case, you have a problem of that this was a 14-year-old. So there's no excuse. There's no, like, well, he, he was into it. It's like, it doesn't matter. Everything's off the table. Um, that's uh, the that's not the law. That's the not the legal one. Right, but in this case, it's like it probably. I mean, probably something happened. But like, where do you where do you sort of draw the line between like a failed making a failed pass at someone and it was predatory, a near rape situation? I don't know. <laughs> uh, look, man, I don't know either, and I. I I really wouldn't want to uh, make any ill-considered uh, remarks on it should I then be proven to be, like, you know, substantially unwoke. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll evidence. dial it back. I actually had one <laughs> one sort of thought about... So a lot of these a lot of these stories are coming out, and it seems mm. like almost an equal number of stories are being told by men as women. Um, oh yeah, sure. Which is like, it's a little annoying on the surface, just because it's like somehow it's suddenly about men again, even though this is like, it's a lot worse for women, right? I mean, can we say that it's always been worse yeah, for women? Um, I think uh, the 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 virtue of it coming out of the entertainment industry is there's just probably a lot more gay happening in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Well, that was so. This is where my question comes down to, and this is this maybe applies back to Kevin Spacey a little bit. It was like, it was really not okay to be gay until I mean, I guess for some people it still isn't, but like, all everything that was happening was happening sort of quote mm-hmm. unquote in the closet, right? So it's like, yeah. was it was it harder to sort of distinguish between these overlapping taboos? For somebody like Kevin Spacey, who's basically being told by all of society that what your your basic fundamental feelings are wrong, so what you know, so, every all of life is just one big sort of taboo party or something. So what you're saying is you you blame society and not and not Mr. Spacey. M- maybe a little bit, 
I'm I do blame Mr. Spacey, but I, I'm saying is it is it fair that society placed this like unreasonable taboo on um, homosexuality and then turns around and says, okay, well, back backdating these feelings, we're going to go ahead and say these things you were doing back then, some of them were okay and some of them weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, look, this, uh, like, I think the, one of the, the main takes that, that come from people about now is that, oh, you, it, it like it was wrong of him to uh, kind of connect um, homosexuality and pedophilia because the oh the two aren't connected. Yeah. But uh, this is real 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 hot take from James right now. There is kind of a, a connect like gay men do have a thing for teenage boys and not all of those teenage boys are of age and that's right. that's not like <laughs> that's not nothing. Yeah. No, I mean it's, it's probably it's, something that we'll have to face up to at some point. And it's it's sort of like a like a the the sort of daddy son thing, right? Like mm-hmm. um and, and like, it's like Milo Yiannopoulos just got in trouble for the, for the same thing. Like what was that like last year or this year or whatever. Yeah. Um and it it it's it's funny cuz that seems to be something that um you know that the mainstream is still absolutely not on board with the mm-hmm. idea that you can you can have consensual relationships between uh, people who haven't reached the legal age of consent right. and uh, and look which is know, pr- I mean which is probably the correct position all, all I'm saying is like you, you kind of create this this uh, morally ambiguous morass when you start making these uh, like broad. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess it was sort of the default position that like it wasn't okay to be gay, and that becomes mm. the that becomes the norm. But then within within that community, you have this these other norms where it's like it's all behind closed doors anyway, and it's like okay, well, where do you start drawing the line? Like, is is you know, I think fourteen sounds a little bit too young, right? <laughs> It's it's pretty young. I'm just I'm um, not saying it's great or good or even excusable on any level. I'm just saying it's like what what responsibility does society hold for sort of creating these like sort of unfair rules at the time yeah. and then sort of sort of retroactively revoking some of those rules, you know. Mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd say um we we probably have some figuring out of of this stuff to do as society uh and if in the process we sacrifice like the career of one actor or a number of actors then i guess that's all right and i, I just I, like i think it's there there are two conversations worth having but i think they're two separate conversations and honestly i think that one is sort of getting in the way of the other i, I think that happened a little bit with the this is a really, really hot take. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say, but I think we've had a pretty strong, active gay rights movement in Western civilization for about mm-hmm. 20 years or 30 years, mm-hmm. but women's liberation pretty much stalled at, in the 70s, right? I mean, we sort of stopped talking about it, and things didn't yeah, get that well, I much guess better when the they? Equal Rights Amendment didn't pass, right? Anyway, let's just get off this. This is going to be getting a lot of trouble here. 
<laughs> anyway, George, George Takei. This is possibly the most controversial opinions that we've we've ever <laughs> expressed on the podcast. So I I pray that we get as few listeners as normal yeah. because otherwise we're in huge trouble. I mean, I think this show averages about uh, ten to fifteen listeners, so it's pr- I would think we're probably safe. It's like like guys, cut us a break, okay? Please. Oh, I I should I should go on the record of saying that like nobody should ever do anything to anybody without their consent like yes it, it, that's, it goes that's without the important saying point. i feel like regardless of, of mr rap's age he uh didn't consent to the the contact with mr spacey yeah. and uh, and, I, and gosh, i'm not saying not that guy. i'm not justifying kevin spacey's behavior at all i just think it's worth considering that all of the rules we have in society now didn't necessarily exist that back then in the same way so it's hard it's hard it's 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 not fair that fair i mean we give thomas jefferson a pretty pretty quick, oh boy, easy pass. Oh boy. Okay, let's, he's, he's let's get off of this <laughs> let's let's move away from this um <laughs> where the hell were we up to gosh there's so, blue plants and blue, space madness so we get some blossoming romance between um uh shazad latif uh-huh um and um, Sonequa Martin Green. Yeah, they have their first prime timeline kiss. Do you think it's their first in canon kiss, or do you think they've been making out uh, between episodes? Uh, I think this is their first in canon kiss, and if you don't count the uh, the loop, yeah, because that that timeline was erased, presumably, and I don't <laughs> think they kissed in the final timeline. Well, isn't that nice for them? Mm-hmm. But it's clear that um, what's his name, uh, Kyle Asher. Ky- is it Asher? I just forget this character's name. It's Mr. Vigilar. Ashman. Ash. Ash. It's clear that he's actually uh, Vok. So this is going to be like. So actually, that's an interesting um, point because we were just talking about questions of consent, and I think that <laughs> right. um, actually. Th- uh, an, an, an interesting and important question about consent is like um, yeah, so this reminds like me of a scene right. in Revenge of the Nerds which is problematic where one of the nerds dresses up uh-huh. as Darth Vader I think and makes out with one of the jock's girlfriends under the pretense that he's this jock right but he's actually mm-hmm. this nerd but it's basically he did not actually have genuine consent for that kiss because yeah it was not she was not consenting to kiss this nerd she thought she was kissing this guy this this yeah, job right so um, in fact yeah would you say that maybe this is a similar situation to that where um if if it turns out which maybe maybe it's not even true that asher <laughs> Look, is actually block um, that that's sort of I don't a know if it... problematic I don't know if it stands up in the court of law, but uh, in the court of morality, I would say, yeah, absolutely, stealthing is rape. If you mm-hmm. uh, take take the condom off and don't tell your partner, yeah, then uh, they if they would not have consented to that act had they known, then congratulations, buddy, you're a rapist. Yeah, take note, um, Julie Sa- Julian Assange. Oh, that guy, man. <laughs> I'd I'd like to see him. Uh, uh, get taken down by this scandal, but I think it's probably a bit late for that. We all kind of know that he's a just a scum sucking piece of shit already. Yeah. Well, he is a he's an Australian national, so 
<laughs> Sorry. Surely there are no bad Americans. Um, surely what? Sure, surely there are no bad people from the United States. No, Sorry. I don't know any. <laughs> um, so we get a kiss between uh, Shazad Latif and Sunni Mark and Green. Um, so we get also some more Klingon action. We get um, some... Uh, what's the uh, Lady Klingon's name? Laurel. So we get Laurel. Um, She's up to fake, something, clearly. Fake interrogating Admiral Cornwall. Admiral Cartwright, yeah. Cornwall. Is it Cartwright? It's Cartwright. Cornwall, Cornwall, I think. Yeah. So Black I was a little bit one. confused. Is... Uh, Cornwall dead. At the end of this episode? Yeah. I don't think so. Doesn't she was seem pretend that way. dead. So, well, the weird thing, though, was like... So... I forget the... Uh, <laughs> I forget the Klingons. Laurel? <laughs> so Laurel was fake interrogating Cornwall. Um, by the way, interesting moment. She sort of says vaguely that Falk was driven away. He's just away. Yeah, he's he's um, you know, <laughs> he's just sleeping with the there. fishes. So, I think that it's pretty clear that she's playing some kind of double game here, where she definitely does not like um, is it Tor? Core. Core. I was thinking of the uh, anonymous uh, dark web browser. <laughs> no, it's uh, I think it's Call of House Core. Call of Tor. Uh, no, I mean Call core. of Tor. Yeah. He's okay. using it to. Uh, he's using his bitcoins to buy drugs. <laughs> Mining bitcoins from uh, from the uh, Federation uh, servers. Um, um, uh, did 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 you invest in Bitcoin? No, you. I actually like earlier on like looked into it, but it was it was just like way too confusing to me. I, I didn't understand it yeah. at all, and it My, really shady. Um, my boyfriend insists that uh, he um, wanted to invest in Bitcoin when it was still, you know, worth peanuts. Mm-hmm. And his dad was like, oh, that's stupid. And if he had invested the amount that he wanted to invest, then he would be a millionaire now. Yeah. I don't know I, if I believe that story. I feel like I had ar- it had already been a little bit, like it, it had already exploded a little bit by the time I was looking into it, but if I had at the time, it still probably would have been worth a lot more now. I still mm-hmm. think it's probably a weird bubble, but I'd like maybe under new, like like since it's like a, almost a new kind of currency entirely that maybe we just don't understand what's happening with it yet. It just seems mm-hmm. like it would be really difficult to redeem real money from it. Yeah. Maybe not, but it just it seems like a weird, murky world to start getting into. I don't know. Those ones know and the, zeros uh, are really valuable. The, uh, who are they? The the twins from the Facebook movie. Uh, the, the, the Winklevoss. The Army Hammer twins. The, <laughs> the, the Winklevoss, yeah. I know they, they're, they're big uh, proponents of, of Bitcoin. Great. I guess they've got nothing else going for them now. It's like, well, they, they, they clearly feel like they were sort of ripped off but they're certainly they're they're definitely owed some kind of technology fortune so this is going to mm-hmm. be their uh their they're doing in. fine yeah so um corn cornwall 
So the thing that I was getting to was that um, there's a fake interrogation between um, Laurel and Cornwall. Mm, where she um, says she wants to defect. Yeah, and Laurel is playing this probably double game where she's saying she wants to defect because... Or is it a triple game? It's Yeah, it's a triple game where it's like... You know that I know that you know. But she clearly is still working with Valk on in some capacity, and she's not working for the Federation or with the Federation, but she's definitely against um, Corridor 4. Corridor. 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 Mordor. Yep. Um, uh, it's, uh, we, we saw it coming. There's a, it's the House of Cards narrative. Right. We're going to take back the, the House of Core. Yeah. Starring the great um, actor Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. You can see this show is in space. Yeah. And so um, I guess one issue that I have is that if, if Cornwall isn't dead, how did Laurel know that sort of shoving her into that electric vent thing wouldn't kill her? Um, Lucky guess. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like a little bit of a uh, just a ran- random, random chance kind of thing. Uh, if that was like part of a plan, I don't know. Hmm. Hey, maybe she is dead. I feel like we ain't seen the last of her though. I feel like Laurel, her behavior in general is very suspicious, and it's surprising that uh, that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it does feel like she should have been like um, disemboweled by Core. Yeah. At this point, or she was Cole. like, "Fuck me, let me uh, be alone with Cornwall for a while." And then they're like, "Oh," and then then she like gets away and like, "Oh, oh, she escaped. Let me go take her body." <laughs> To the uh, body dump. <laughs> right. Okay. The body disposal center. <laughs> Don't yeah. do anything suspicious. Well, we're mm-hmm. not watching. You got it. It's <laughs> pretty she's, grisly. She's too. a highly trustworthy individual because she's from the house of like deceiving deceivers, right? What do you think of her uh, like weird white outfit with like the red nail polish tips? Um, you don't remember it, do you? I, I, I remember the broad strokes of it. It's it's fine, I guess. Uh, what what sort of take are you seeking? No, it just looks like a, it's kind of strange looking. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Most of what those Klingons wear is a little strange. I mean, even compared to the other Klingons, because it's like white. Mm. Yeah, let's just let's drop it. Yeah, they all seem to kind of wear their own thing. So the um, the background of this uh, episode is that the uh, so it was written by um, veteran Star Trek novelist Kirsten right. Beyer. Yeah, a bunch of Voyager novels under mm-hmm. her belt. And she said that she wanted to explore sort of this idea of peace amid war. Which translation she wanted to uh, steal the plot of Errand of Mercy. She wanted to steal the plot of Errand of Mercy, as we all knew. And <laughs> I'm not I'm not up to Errand of Mercy yet in my watch through of the original series, so uh, I wouldn't have caught that one. You knew that mm, she was yeah, stealing I just, the plot. I can intuit these things. Mm-hmm. Um interesting 
observation on memory alpha. This is not the first time. A so the relationship between um, Tyler Asher and Michael Burnham was mm-hmm. sort of hinted at in the time loop, but then became reality later. This is not the first time that happened. It was similar to um, married romantic relationship between Worf and Deanna Troy was depicted in another quantum reality in TNG Parallels, yeah. where a romance between them was depicted in Prime Timeline in the TNG series, All the Good Things. And that was how you knew that that series was running out of steam and ending. Yeah. <laughs> I remember married. like watching that for the first time and being like, oh, thank God god that didn't actually happen and then i see it actually happens Mm -hmm. in awkward things it's like well at least it's ending there's a uh a similar thing in um voyager where they had been sort of like hinting at a blossoming romance between seven of nine and the holographic doctor for many seasons but then suddenly out of nowhere seven of nine and chakotay hook up (laughs) <laughs> right because she she friend zoned the doctor right i guess so i don't actually remember this but i read it somewhere i think um uh yeah he he gets up the courage to tell her how he feels and she says uh, oh i love you doctor as a friend <laughs> you, know? you know what she should have suggested is that she would have been totally fine with him making a holographic copy of her that mm-hmm. is into him that that would have been the least she could do yeah because uh she she lacks uh typical human inhibitions as a borg mm-hmm. um, I, is um I re- sorry go ahead i recall um when i was reading about the time loop episodes uh the the one with q jr um he apparently strips her naked um, in an attempt to fluster her, I guess, and she just doesn't care because she's a Borg. Mm-hmm. That sounds re- really uh, like pervy and creepy to yeah. me as an episode um, segment. Yeah, it does. It's really I don't for recall the, seeing uh, that on the it's television for the, screen. For the boys at home, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the unfortunate thing about the whole Seven of Nine, isn't it? It's uh, everyone loves her because she's sexy mm-hmm. yeah she's she's hot as hell and um really interesting really interesting character yeah got some, she's got some like stuff on her face mm-hmm. um yeah they should have just had her worn like maybe just like normal clothes that that would have been uh an interesting like a house dress or like a just pants like khakis. Yep. You know, like it's it's the future. Top. Yeah. And space women can wear whatever they space like. <laughs> okay. Do you think um we've probably covered this episode well enough? Um look, I watched this episode and I don't remember it. Yeah. I mean, really. I think it was a fine episode. I and I I would enjoy more of these um non-serialized one-off Let's explore a planet episodes in general, but uh, yeah, I mean it's sort of like no, like no, no. Hang on, non-serialized. You didn't think this was like clearly part one of a two-parter? Oh yeah, sorry, you're right. 
it is part one of a two-parter <laughs> but i mean i'm just talking about so that's more that's more in line with how they used to be where like if there was going to be a continuing storyline they would be like a two-part episode but i'm just talking about like every, the rep- episodes sort of run together because it's all one long story you know yeah i think um they've actually kind of studiously avoided that uh with discovery to to an extent that kind of surprises me it's it's been surprisingly monster of the week well every week i kind of expected it to be a little more serialized yeah i i think you're right i think i'm maybe not even being fair um i i mean i think it's it's finding a good balance where it's like there's clearly a, a through line um mm. but they're they're fine they're they're sort of making it appropriately episodic um, well, take for instance the time loop episode from the last thing. I think uh, with you know, like changing a few lines here and there, you could easily put that one after this episode, or you know, or before a previous episode. Like you know, yeah, that's it, true. It, it could be switched up easily. Like it's not, uh, it's not so critical to the progression of the plot. You've just got a few bits here and there, which they, yeah, you know, except for that, like. Once the big Vok reveal happens, which maybe will even happen this week, I don't know. It's the, it's the, um, the maybe because we're yeah, the mid-season cliffhanger. Yeah. So we'll see. But okay, well, um, any final closing thoughts? I'll give you the last word, James. Let's see. Um, Anything you want to wrap up the consent discussion we had earlier? Um, well, I can um, uh, bring it to the the, the topic of punishment. Ah. Crime and punishment. Death penalty. Uh, so typically we don't execute rapists, right? Yeah. Um, and in the Federation, they also don't uh, do the death penalty because uh, I think Admiral Cornwell says it, or yes. is it a different character? It's Cornwell. Um, that's wrong. The Federation does have a death penalty, and the, the death penalty uh, is you get it if you go to planet Talos Four. Hmm. It's a really uh, specific set of circumstances. Yep. But that's the only death penalty left on the Federation's books. Uh, Memory Alpha thinks that it's possible that this uh, was established after this episode. Yeah. Uh, but um, but you, one could imagine her, you, if somebody else was there, somebody's them saying to Cornwall, like, what about Talos Four? And she's like, well, yeah. oh, I mean, right. except for okay. that. <laughs> Yep. Like, of course, no of course, we're going to kill you if you go to Talos Four well, for, yeah. for cripe's sake. But uh, otherwise, we're not going to do that. That's it's barbaric. Um, and personally, uh, I, uh, I, I I am in agreement. I think that uh, there should not be a death penalty unless you go to Talos Four. Yeah. In which case, all bets are off. Can you, in maybe ten words or less, explain why that deserves a death penalty? Um. Okay. 20 words. I'll give you 20. Original pilot had no Captain Kirk. They had to reuse the footage somehow. They made up a plot about the planet that they went to. You get the death penalty if you go there so that they could play stock footage from the episode. Oh. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and that's why there was no Captain Kirk. Okay. That That's very mystifying to me but i think we'll, we <laughs> just leave it at you that know, it's not a bad episode but um it doesn't really make a ton of sense i guess mm-hmm. okay all right well james thanks for uh talking trek with me here today 
Yeah, we, we talked we a lot of lot. Trek yeah. this week. Mostly we talked about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which is a great I, show set in outer space, which I love. Yeah. The next episode is called... Um, geez. Into the Forest I Go. Into the Forest Robin I Go. Robin Hood so it's, episode. It's probably going to be the same forest we're talking about um, from that they were in in this episode, because... This episode ends with the like the Klingons and Root to probably like wipe out this planet or something. Yeah, I think it's probably Sherwood Forest. So we'll do a holiday episode in Sherwood Forest. Everyone's mm. gonna put on uh, silly looking tights and kind of just mince around the the woods, singing, mm. singing, playing lutes and yep. panpipes. <laughs> And maybe Kevin uh, Costner will even be there. Kevin Costner will make an appearance as Robin of Loxley. The, the prince of thieves. Yeah. Um, I hear from uh, uh, Memory Alpha that uh, apparently it's, uh, it's, it's so good, it's Balance of Terror good, which is a, a very good episode from the original series, which um, uh, makes an analogy to submarine warfare. Oh, cool. Okay. So there's going to be some kind of Klingon submarines this yeah. cool all right it's gonna be great hey well uh tune in next week uh for trek trudge discovery into the forest psycho all right uh see you later james ciao thanks for tuning in gang catch you next time